Hello everyone, welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm your host, Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, my co-host, Perry Aston. Perry, say hello. What's going on, everybody? And once again, we got a very exciting uh, podcast for all of you, but before we get into it, remember that you can follow us on Twitter, at NBA Unwrapped. You can also follow me on Twitter, at CorbinMRPK, and Perry on Twitter, at Perry Aston. Perry, I'm getting pretty good at remembering your Twitter handle, so... Yeah, kudos to Corbin, let's go. (laughs) And also remember that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and you can also listen to our podcast via SoundCloud. So, with that, let's... uh, Actually, before we get into it, though, once again, I just want to thank Perry for all the hard work he's been doing on Twitter. He basically um, runs our Twitter page. I try to help when I can, but um, Perry... You are on top of just about every breaking story, even the little things. So that's just tremendous work you've been putting in there. So thank you so much. Of course, yeah. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Yeah, I know uh, for Twitter, I take it super personally, and I love to get all you guys, all the updates, anything from big to small. Uh, I know I'm always on Twitter looking for funny things, informative things, anything that could make my Twitter timeline more exciting, let alone transferring that to your guys' Twitter timeline. Uh, I know we did some Twitter polls. Uh, Thank you guys all for participating in those. I actually got a lot of interaction with you guys last night. We were tweeting a ton about uh, a bunch of these players getting released and signed right now with uh, waivers, and I know I got a bunch of responses from you guys. Drove a lot of conversation with me, and I really enjoyed that, and I get to bring that onto our podcast today. So, yeah, let's just jump right in. But, again, thank you so much for being as active as you guys are on Twitter. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys so much. So, yeah, now let's actually jump in. So, first topic we want to talk about is just the update for the All-Star voting. So, a few days ago, I think four or five days ago, the NBA released, I believe it was its first um, update for the All-Star voting. So... Again, there's different rules this year. In the past, it's just been the West versus the East. This year, it's it's still going to be the same number of players coming out of the West and coming out of the East, but the NBA has made a fun type of twist to it to where the top vote-getter from the East and the top vote-getter from the West are the two team captains for the game, and they will be able to select any player they want, whether it's from the East or from the West. So... It should hopefully be more competitive. Maybe there will be a little more pride with them picking their players so they'll play a little more defense. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It sucks to see the last few years. It's been getting worse and worse to watch because it's 170 to 180, and there's players chucking up half-court shots and letting players run right past them so they can make a cool dunk. You know, that's exactly. not... That's not what we want to see, you know. If we want to, see, that's what we watch the dunk contest for. When we yeah. watch the three point contest, those those are the fun stuff. I want to see an actual game against the best players in the league. So yeah, it's still fun watching the All Star game, but it has gotten a little. I don't, I don't want to say boring, but it's gotten a little less fun to watch just because I don't want to see these All Stars just yeah, one ninety to one eighty. I think the last like three years. Each year has been the highest scoring game in All-Star game history because the defense just gets less and less. Um, Exactly, and this is hopefully going to do what uh, the NFL did a couple years ago when they introduced something similar uh, with picking players instead of the traditional format that they always went with. Uh, The only difference was they already had preset team captains. 
yeah. that would be the two that get to pick their players. Uh, I like how the NBA is letting the number one vote getter from both conference pick their own teams. It makes it more like street ball, you know, picking your teams on yeah. the on the hardtop. I think it's cool. I think it's going to add a lot of competitive drive, and I think it's going to hopefully build better relationships with some of these players too. I mean, just like uh, I know you brought up something that Giannis quoted about LeBron James, if you want to bring that up really quick, I know that yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it might make this more fun, you know? Yeah, so um, with the vote-getting from the East, the top vote-getter right now is Giannis um, on Tedetokounmpo, just slightly ahead of LeBron James um, by just 7,000 votes right now, so it could go either way. Um, and then in the West, Durant is just barely edging out Steph Curry right now. But, yeah, Giannis was asked by a reporter after these updates came out um, who he'd pick with the number one overall pick. Um, and I loved his response. He said he'd go with LeBron James. And then when they asked why, he said because he wants to start developing a good relationship with him before free agency happens. So, uh, just fun fun extra stuff that comes along. Um, so, yeah, uh, that'll, be, that'll be fun to see. Uh, if LeBron overtakes Giannis, then... Um, maybe he chooses Giannis. I mean, Giannis, I would, if I was LeBron, I'd pick Giannis. If I was Giannis, I'd pick LeBron. Well, especially if you're actually going to be playing some defense in this game, then yeah, right. you want Giannis. Um, but yeah, in the Eastern Conference, so right now, um, if the votes were to end when this update started, Giannis, um, LeBron James, and Joel Embiid would be the top three front court players for the East, so they would be in the All Star game. Kristaps Porzingis is about seventy five thousand votes behind Joel Embiid. Porzingis, I think, for sure, he'll be in the game, whether it's as a starter getting voted in or off the bench from the coaches selecting him. He's having an uh, insanely good year. So. Yeah. And then the guards for the East, uh, the guards that would get in for the East right now would be Kyrie Irving, followed by DeMar DeRozan, um, and then Victor Oladipo is third. But just to give you guys an idea of how much of a lead Kyrie Irving has, Kyrie Irving has 802,834 votes. Second place, so DeMar DeRozan, who would also get in, he has 259,368 votes. So, yeah, that's five, yeah, 550,000. They're, they're not catching him. Um, but Oladipo is only 8,000 behind DeMar DeRozan, 7,500. Um, but Oladipo, I think whether he's a starter or coming off the bench, he's going to get in. Um, but he's yeah, gained, I mean, he's gained a ton of respect this year. Him going on the Pacers and playing the way he's played is remarkable, and he deserves all the respect he's getting, and he deserves an all-star spot. So, Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I think we both agree that he'll get in, whether it's as a starter. Yeah, and I, I know we were talking about this slightly before the podcast, too. As of right now, I think we both agree he wins most improved player for the year. If not, it's you know Tyree Gibbons, who we'll speak about a little bit more uh, later in the podcast. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Victor Oladipo is playing out of his mind this year so yeah definitely um and then for the west as i mentioned kevin durant is leading the western conference he is joined in the front court by the two big men from the pelicans anthony davis followed by demarcus cousins um draymond green is about 30 31 thousand votes behind demarcus cousins cousins is at 356 thousand green is at 325 thousand in the guards category for the West, Steph Curry is leading, followed by James Harden and Russell Westbrook. The reigning MVP is in third. About James Harden's at 602,000 votes. 
Russell Westbrook's all the way down at 438,000, so I don't know if he's going to be catching Harden. I know last year Harden and Curry started, and Westbrook had to come off the bench. That was the year he averaged a triple-double, and he didn't even start the All-Star game. But Yeah, that's crazy. He's still going to get in. Um, yes, I mean, that's the uh, All-Star update so far. Perry, you have any thoughts about any players that maybe should be in over someone else, or do you think... For the most part, the fans have it right so far. For the most part, the fans have it right when it comes to the top of the leaderboard. I know uh, looking further down on the list, uh, these are players that are still in contention for these spots. Of course, for the front court, after Porzingis, uh, Kevin Love, uh, Al Horford, uh, sorry, Al, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Andre Drummond, these are all, even Ennis Cantor, all players have had extremely good years, but don't really reach up to MB, James, Giannis, or Porzingis. So if any of them are going to make that, it's going to be Kevin Love. He is having a good year this year, but they have the front court down for me uh, for the Western Conference. Uh, sorry, that was the, uh, the forwards. For the guards, you know, for the Western Conference, I think they have it down as well. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know I saw earlier, um, I believe it was a tweet when it came out that Kyle Kuzma was at least on the list for the top 10. I saw Lonzo Ball was on the list for the top 10 also. Um, I know Kuzma's on the forward list and uh, Lonzo's on the guards list, but just seeing two Lakers on there is really cool for me and you, um, as well as the rest of the fans around the league. But I don't think either of them are going to make it. If anything, it's going to be Kyle Kuzma somehow sneaking up there, but he's not. uh, regardless, I, I think they have it down. Paul George is creeping up behind Draymond Green. Kawhi would have obviously made it any year if he didn't have all the injury problems yeah. that he's having this year. Carmelo Anthony's having actually a pretty good year. Just advanced metrics on Carmelo aren't good. Um, I'm kind of surprised Carl Anthony Towns has as little votes as he has. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, I really, I really, really, really like to see Mono Ginobili make this uh, All Star game. He's having one of his best years of his career as late as he's forty years old. So yeah, I just, I just saw that he was the only player ever to forty plus to put up twenty five points in two consecutive games off the bench. Like he's he's playing like he's thirty. So I would be really cool to see him enter in that too. But yeah, other than that, yeah. I think they got it right. It's pretty easy to vote for these guys right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't like I don't like how Isaiah Thomas has as many points or as many votes as he has just because people like him. You know, he's only played how many games this year. I, I always hate yeah, that, to be honest. Cool. Personally, I always hate when they vote players in because they like them or because it's a cool story or something like that. It's, to me, the All-Star voting is just to put the best players that are having the best years up to that point into the All-Star game to showcase them, not just because, you know, people like Isaiah Thomas's story and feel bad for him. So. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, All-Star Weekend's supposed to be for the fans, so that's why you give that's them true. the voting. So it's the players they want to see. It's one thing if it's like Isaiah Thomas, who on any other year where he was actually healthy, he'd be an All-Star. It's another thing when someone like Zaza Pachulia last year, if the NBA hadn't changed the whole voting format before they did it again this year, Zaza Pachulia would have started if it was only up to the fans. Right. Nobody outside of the country of Georgia where he's getting all those votes from <laughs> actually wants to see him in the All-Star game. You know who deserves to be in the All-Star game, though? Devin Booker. You know I'm such a fan of him, but he's having a great year, and I think he's one of the most exciting players in the league. It's his third season now, and he's by far the star of their team. They actually just gave him reins to make uh, to have his word on all signings, on all coaching decisions, on pretty much anything. 
um, Suns. So he is their star. I mean, he's averaging 24.9 points per game, four and a half rebounds, four and a half assists. So those are amazing numbers, and he's having a great year. And I know that he's with hard company up there getting voted in, of course, with Steph Curry and James Harden and Westbrook, Clay Thompson, you know, Ginobili, Chris Paul, all these guys. But still, I mean, I think he deserves he deserves to be in the in the All Star game. If he gets snubbed this year, he'll be in it next year for sure. So yeah, I think he deserves it. Um, it's just Phoenix, not really a glamorous team, but they're, they're showing of signs of improvement. He's been playing extremely well. I'm not going to argue that for one second. With Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma, they're only on the voting because they do play in LA. Lonzo Ball, I'm actually surprised. He's eighth for guards. I would have thought he'd be actually a lot higher with just all the things. Yeah, there me too, honestly. Um, Kyle Kuzma. I'm, that's why I'm so happy to see like a guy like Manny Ginobili who doesn't have the same stardom anymore, but is still just having a grinding great year. I'm glad to see him getting the votes that he deserves kind of thing compared to if Lonzo Ball was ahead of him. I actually would have been a little upset. <laughs> uh, Chris Paul, I, I, I honestly expected Lonzo Ball to have more points than Chris Paul because Chris Paul has only played half the season. So uh, he's six. I know Lillard's seventh, Booker's, uh, Lonzo's eighth. Booker's nine, Jimmy Butler, who's been playing very, very, very well of late. He bounced off at 10. So, I don't know. I think they have it pretty down this year. Yeah. Um, really quickly before we move to the next topic, just I was looking at the um, front court for the Eastern Conference. Would If you had to guess, Jason Tatum's not going to make it as a starter. He's seventh. But do you think the he, coaches will yes. be voting him in? Yes. Yeah? Yes. I, he he just won Rookie of the Month, well deserved. It's not even just his stats on paper right now. The other day I was watching their game. Uh, it was two different plays in clutch time. He drained a three pointer, and uh, no, he, sorry, he made it. He dunked like a ferocious dunk. Pretty sure that was to bring them within points, and then made a three to win it. So it's just it, it, just the way he's playing and the confidence that he has. He is a better player than Ben Simmons, and that's coming from my mouth wow. on this episode right now. <clears throat> ben Simmons, no disrespect to him whatsoever. Uh, he's better than Lonzo Ball is. Lonzo Ball is a different kind of player, just like I said. But the two, the two of them, looking at them side by side, it, it is crazy to see Jason Tatum's game. Ben Simmons had an entire year to sit there with the 76ers staff and just sit and watch and take in whatever he can. And to be honest, that's the reason why he's having the year he's having this year. This is the kind of year that you have in your sophomore year, not your freshman year. And it's because he's not hes not technically a rookie in my eyes. He spent an entire year around an NBA staff while Jason Tatum's freshly 19. And he just got thrust into the spotlight because of Hayward going down. He was going to have a prominent role on that team regardless. But just like I said, when Hayward went down, it's going to literally be on Jason Tatum and Brown. The two of them need to together give the same production that Hayward would have. Just the two of them need to morph into almost one person. To And, and obviously, you know what I mean when I say that. They just have to you know, cover the spread on the stat sheet and bring the energy and leadership that he would, but it's just two very young players that it's not expected. They're both, they both stepped up so hard and Jason Tatum looks like a star that's never going to stop his three point shooting. He's one of the most accurate in the league. I believe yeah. he's what top, top five, top 10, uh, in three point percentage. He's driving to the basket, watching him go down with his handles he um, he's the second. He's got the second best handles on that team, and that's just because Kyrie Irving has the best handles in the league. And just dribbling—that's all I'm talking about. Just handles. 
And, oh, my God, I watched him go up the court the other day and just toy with the entire team. I believe it was Charlotte. He literally toyed with the entire team, and it was a joke to him getting to the basket. And just looking at that, I know uh, Worldwide Wob, Rob Perez, one of our favorite people to follow on Twitter, he always tweets the coolest stuff. He posted that video. I was like, oh, my Lord. And I just responded. I was just like, oh, my God. And on my personal Twitter, too, I was just like, we had the same reaction. It was just like, are you serious? 19 years old, and you are playing the way that you're playing. He's not just going to be an all-star. He's the best rookie in the league, and he's going to be the star of the Celtics team. Regardless, when Hayward comes back, it's going to be hard for him to get less minutes. Yeah, so Tatum's shooting 46% from three, which is – Extremely impressive, especially for right. a rookie. Averaging 13.9 points per game. It's actually surprising for me. I thought he was averaging it, 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 a lot more it, it, than It that. doesn't show. It's the start that he had to the season. Yeah. Uh, he was the rookie of the month this year, and it's really shown kind of thing. So that's Look, why on paper... Rookie of the month this month, right? What was that? Rookie of the month this month, right? This month. Just yeah. just this last month, yeah. So he just got announced with that. And, I mean, it's it's obvious that he's coming into his own he's figuring it out with Kyrie Irving and Al Horford's playing very well as well um Jalen Brown so this team with or without Hayward is a serious threat and they moved back two spots to get him let's just remember that they they had they were going to get Marco Fultz and they moved back two spots so I, that's an impressive draft yeah, yeah. I just it's just kudos to the Celtics for you know knowing who they were going to get and being confident that he'd fall to them yeah, so really quickly before we move on, just you brought up Ben Simmons, talking about him versus Tatum. Um, Simmons is 21 years old, so right. this is his rookie year. It's very impressive what he's doing his rookie year, um, but he's 21 years old, so that's basically him being a rookie after his junior year of college. That's the year most... Most junior players in college, when they come to the NBA, they're a rookie and they're 21 years old. So right. it's still. Take a look, look at Kyle Kuzma right now, who just looks athletically ready because of the years that he put in at college. Yeah, yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, I but think Kuzma had four years, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, look, it's very impressive what Simmons is doing, but um, yeah, being 21 years old, he's had those extra two years to mature, develop his game. He was a very old freshman at LSU. Um, but nonetheless, very impressive. So with that, let's move on to um, our next topic. Um, so H&M, I know Perry, I was talking to you about this um, just before the podcast. They had a very controversial ad that they ran. Um, I believe it was just a few days ago. They had a child wearing a sweatshirt and um, on the sweatshirt, I want to make sure I get the exact wording down for that um the sweatshirt that the african-american child was wearing said coolest monkey in the jungle um they obviously uh, it's incredible to me how it seems like almost all the time every month there's some big company that just does something so incredibly stupid how do you pay your employees and not just employees how do you pay people that are that are in charge of your marketing how does that 
slide past everybody. Like, how is everyone just in the room being like, you know, it's a good idea, this. It's 2018. <laughs> it's 2018. Racism's at its all-time highest, or at least uh, social uh, being divided right now. Everyone's trying to get on back on the same page, and we have, you know, sports is super, super involved with this, just like you're talking about, um, you know, H&M on our basketball podcast. It goes hand in hand, and people like our, you know, athletes that we love have such a big platform that they, you know, thank God they get to use it and use it for good sometimes. But it, to me, it's just like, how in any way are you paying these <laughs> your marketing director to just abruptly just do something that's stupid? You have an African American child, which is good. You have a, a mix of all races on your commercials, but you always should to appeal to everyone, and then you just mess it up. You just fuck it up. So I, I don't really get how that happens. Yeah, so um, that that somehow happened, um, and LeBron James took to Twitter to um, kind of rip H and M their advertising image. Um, he said that African Americans will always have to break barriers. Um, he tweeted a picture of the child instead of wearing that sweatshirt saying "Coolest Monkey in the Jungle." It was him wearing a crown. Um, just want to talk really quickly about just um, NBA players and all professional athletes, um, their social activism, and do you think that players should be active with trying to create social change, or should politics and sports be two completely separate things? Um, for me, I can see points on both sides, but just like I said, it's nice for me to see athletes that we love and big athletes that have such big platforms and you know a following they get to use that for good and they get to use that and i don't know make change or at least make you know people aware of things that are going on and it's it's nice to see and it but for me it's only within a certain you can only go so far at some point you're just an athlete that needs to stay out of some topics that you know maybe shouldn't be like touched or maybe it's not appropriate I mean, maybe if it's the certain timing or a certain light of the situation athletes to just kind of be like normal people and just use their judgment and stay away kind of thing but if it's something that they can chime in and make a difference or it's something that in their personal life it's very important to them and it doesn't matter that they play basketball or not their their twitter is their personal twitter and such and you know they can make quotes whenever they personally choose to so it you know of course there are humans too just like i'm not going to stop you from saying anything and i'm not going to stop me from saying anything it's just that they're looked at on a high, higher platform than we are in you know the social platform and they do reach a higher or a larger audience than we do so it's just for me it's just they need to pick and choose when um you can really spat out the wrong thing and you have so so many people looking at you and judging what you're doing in reporters and twisting your words and all that stuff. You just need to be very careful with the way that you go about it. But if there's something that's clearly wrong, I think they should definitely always take a stand or at least spit out their personal opinion or, you know, support whatever they choose to. I think it's nice. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, you said you pretty much hit the nail right on the head when you said you got to kind of pick and choose. I think right. you walk a very fine line when you start bringing up social activism as an athlete. We saw a while ago back in the 60s, 70s with um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, um, athletes were, and Oscar Robertson too, um, athletes were much more um, active with um, their political views and outspoken. And then 
um, for whatever reason, um, as time kept going, players started to become less active with that, with that stuff and not really um, put their input into political issues. And now we're kind of seeing it turn back around to how it used it's, to be. It's also on top of what the world is going right now, of course. And yeah, LeBron, yeah. Has, well, LeBron James has personal beef with Donald Trump, our president. So that just shows there's like a direct line. Like his tweet that said, you bomb or whatever it was, yeah. was the most retweeted and the most favorited thing of 2017 it changed, so, it changed twitter and made them put an extra 140 characters right and so that uh, it's just it's insane to see it's not like uh our twitter our president is acting like a 16 year old on twitter like going back at them and tweeting things about kaepernick and stuff like just like uh, that's the picking and choosing thing you know with politics and sports like that's where it's kind of nice to see them not be together but of course you know if there's things going on in the world especially you know stuff that's not in the president's control but there's you know uh with african americans there's a lot going on and kaepernick made his stand and or sorry the opposite of a stand he kneeled <laughs> um but but you know but look at that with how he went so far with what he did and he's now looked at as one of you know the most inspirational men's in our men in the world right now if you look at personal you know effort for change and what he's been able to do for the country but he's blackballed for the nfl he's not allowed to play and that's of course unofficial but yeah and no, that, no, that, no team will sign him and yeah. this has been apparent and it's been pretty much proven now from espn sources from a lot of people this is not just from bloggers being like he's totally blackballed like these are people being like this is a clear obvious thing like look at these many quarterbacks that have been signed in this span what their stats are like you know what i mean he was a good quarterback it's just that nobody wants to dip their hand into that cookie jar and really risk their fans taking it however they're going to yeah. take it even and if it's a good thing even if it's a good thing they just don't even want to get involved just because it's like it's just way too way too much now like we're talking we're football players and this personal kneel is now a huge huge thing and so now at that point it's like it would have been kind of nice to like have sports and politics not mixed because now it's like a lot more and there's it's divided at this point God, who believes Kaepernick did the right thing, who did the wrong thing. You know, the Steelers didn't come out of their locker room except for one player, and he came out, and he was admitting that he's embarrassed about his move, but he had the most jersey sales by far for, like, two months, and he was a lineman just because Americans are like, yeah, America, like, he went out, like, you know, anthem. Like, it's just like, that shouldn't even be a question. Every player should be out there standing for this national anthem that a paid singer is singing and they should go out and play football and at this point i appreciated what he did at first but it's become a lot more so now we're way off topic but of course still sort of on topic it's just you know back to the fine 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 line because at that point you now aren't a football player anymore because you've decided to be a social activist so at that point it's like appreciate what you're doing for your career and take the fact that you have such a large following that is listening to you and really drive out the type of things you only think is right and not whatever splurts onto your mind and you can just tweet, you know, just be careful. Yeah, That's kind of what exactly. I'm saying with that. Exactly. Um, I mean, you've pretty much said what I was going to say just with a 
walking that fine line and the anthem protests are pretty much the prime example of that. Um, I don't, we don't want to bring too much politics onto this show. Um, I mean, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Um, it's just the kneeling has definitely hurt the NFL. Um, as right, far, from a rating we standpoint. About, what and, we were talking about there was just the fact that it hurt Kaepernick yes, more than anything. Yes, yeah, because you know Kaepernick, I mean, at, yes, although it hasn't been officially proven, yeah, he if he had not kneeled, he would most likely be on an NFL team right now, on an NFL roster. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, he kneeled, took a stand, um, and uh, yeah. So with that, let's uh, move on to our next segment. So Perry, I'll let you handle this one you've been dealing with our twitter page a lot more than me recently yeah so we'll go back and forth um so of course this is going to be our twitter segment um we really covered a lot and most of this was from adrian wojanowski uh woj are probably our most trusted source that we go from if not shams is up there as well bobby marks all these guys that we follow we, we try to follow as many of our sources as possible drive you all the information from every single one of them so we're just like your one source that has every single trusted source but uh at this point it's been a crazy crazy week because of all the deadlines coming up and contracts getting two-way contracts getting turned into full contracts getting waived players getting picked up um there were 15 open roster spots before the lakers signed someone so i think there still might be 14 if i'm not mistaken but let's get into the first one um nikolai uh, nikolai meritage on the bulls has some interest for multiple teams and of course Utah Jazz being one that we mentioned on our Twitter due to their coach maximizing offensive talent. What he's known for is, uh, you know, taking players that didn't really do too well other places and give them a chance there and somehow maximize their talent there. Uh, But then again, I know you said that he had a lot of interest from the Pistons and Blazers as well. All we know is that the Bulls are still interested in unloading him uh, at some point. So if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I think um, let's try to get through this Twitter segment kind of like quick hitters, but really quickly on this segment, um, yeah, Nikola Mirotic, one of him or Bobby Portis has to be traded. I don't see how you can have both of them on the same team after um, Portis broke Mirotic's face. Um, But out of the Blazers, Pistons, and Jazz, I want to ask which one do you think makes the most sense as far as from the team's perspective acquiring him? Um, I would say the Jazz or the Pistons, I wouldn't want to see him on the Blazers, to be honest. The Jazz won for what I said, just their coach maximized the offensive talent, and obviously having a lot of holes in Utah. Um, they could use him for sure. If not, the Pistons are in some sort of rebuilding period, if not in this weird abyss, but they could use his talent as well. So, I don't <laughs> know. What do you think? Pistons or Jazz? Yeah, um, I was thinking about, I mean, the Blazers, they are let me see, I believe they're fifth or sixth in the West. Uh, yeah, sixth place in the West right now. Um, but yeah, Miritich doesn't really fit them because they have enough scoring. They got Lillard, they got um, CJ McCollum, who both can get the ball in the basket almost at will, but don't play much defense at all. Miritich doesn't really play much defense, so that just really wouldn't be a great fit. Miritich is averaging 17 points per game this year, though, and he's been playing really well. Um, I think that probably the Pistons, just to get a little more, um, little more, more scoring on that team. Obviously, Drummond, um, he's a great center, but he can't really create his own shot. Great at getting rebounds and putbacks, um, lobs, 
Great defender, too, which also helps Miritich with, um, when he gets blown by, which inevitably will happen. Um, and the Pistons also, they started off hot out of the gates. Um, they've kind of struggled recently. They've dropped down to seventh in the East. So I think Miritich makes the most sense for them just to kind of give them that offensive infusion to get them back into probably a top six, maybe top five position in the East by the end of the year. With the Jazz, I just think even with the addition of Miritich, the way that they play, they're a very slow-paced team, and I just don't think that adding Miritich is going to get them into the playoffs. So if I'm yeah, the Jazz, I'd rather keep whatever draft pick I'd have to trade for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Pistons make the most sense to me. What about you? Oh, you said Pistons, right? Yeah. So uh, we started off with that one. Right now we kind of have a Lakers portion of our Twitter segment. Uh, we got about four different points we're going to knock out really quick. Uh, so the Lakers released Andrew Bogut, opening a spot on the team, and they used that spot to go find shooting, and they were looking to use a 10-day contract or sign a 10-day contract. Um, they landed Jamil Wilson uh, from the Los Angeles Clippers, so he's just switching locker rooms. Uh, to a 10-day contract, he's averaging seven points per game and two rebounds, and he's shooting 43% on three-pointers. So they went out to go look for shooting. Jamil Wilson just got uh, released by the Clippers as they recalled. I don't know what his first name is. His last name is Wallace. I was just reading something the other day. Um, he is just having a very good year, 23, 20, uh, 23 or 24 points on their G League affiliate team. So... They needed to clear uh, room for him, so they got rid of Jimmo Wilson. Lakers picked him up. They were looking for shooting. He's shooting 43% just on threes. So, um, you know, I think it's a very good signing. I don't know uh, if you know too much about him, but he's on a 10-day contract, so he's got some time to prove himself. Yeah, um, I like the signing. I like releasing Bogut so that we can explore some 10-day contracts. That's he just wasn't a good fit. Yeah, I mean, Bogut, he really showed his age this year. Last year, we didn't really get to see a ton of him because he broke his leg two minutes into his debut with the Cavs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's a shell of what he used to be. Um, it's time to get the young centers, Ivica Zubots and Thomas Bryant, some right. more playing time, some experience. Um, so, yeah, I like opening up a roster spot. To me, and he's a that, he's a small forward slash stretch forward. Yeah, kind of player, and to so. me, the open roster spot is more important than actually signing Jamil Wilson because if it works out with Wilson, that's great. Add him to the team. Um, if he plays right. well, keep him on the team. But if he doesn't work, go and explore some other players. Get them on ten day contracts. That's what we're going to be seeing a lot of teams doing in the upcoming weeks. I really, I really like the ten day contract. It gives players a chance and it gives teams flexibility to yeah. sign a player, but it's, not you know really give them too much of a commitment. Yeah, and it's basically just teams trying to find a diamond in the rough. I believe they can do two 10-day contracts with the same player before they have to decide if they're going to fully guarantee them for the rest of the year or let them go. Um, so 20 days, that's plenty of time to see what you have in the player. Um, right. Try to catch lightning in a bottle with some. So, yeah, I really like that. And I think we're going to be seeing more teams releasing a player just to create that room for one player to get a 10-day contract. Um, and when they release a player... Um, they might end up re-signing them again later in the year, just seeing if they could find someone else better, and if not, go back to what they had. Um, right. so no, that, I know that was something that happened with the uh, Houston Rockets. With They released Bobby Brown to sign Gerald Green, but they were potentially saying they would look back into Bobby Brown later in the year. So I know that was something with just yeah, kind of yeah. releasing someone and going back to it. So 
Yeah, uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the uh, next portion, or the next point of our Lakers part. We uh, I saw it from Woj. He said that uh, Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, and Larry Nance Jr. are all on the trading block for the Los Angeles Lakers. So I just want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean the Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle. We've known for a while that they're going to be looking to unload them. The Lakers have to get rid of two of the three of Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, and Luol Deng in order to create enough cap space to go after two max players in the offseason. Luol Deng, there's been reports that the Lakers have pretty much given up on trying to get rid of his contract just because there'd be too many assets they'd have to attach. And that makes sense. Who wants Luol Deng, who hasn't played since opening night, um, has two more years at $18 million per year on his contract. So Clarkson and Randall definitely make sense. Um, Nance is a little surprising to me. When Magic Johnson took over as the president of basketball operations for the Lakers, he said a lot of good things about Larry Nance, called him their secret he's had, weapon. He's had a very good year, too. Um, yeah, he's had a, he's had a good year. Um, he's been going back and forth between the starting unit and the bench when he's been healthy. He was out for, um, I think, three or four weeks um, with a broken thumb. Um, but yeah, he's had a good year. It's a little surprising. He's Got a low salary. I believe it's around two, two and a half million. He was the 27th overall pick in the draft a couple of years ago. He has one more year left on his contract after this year. So that's why, I mean, you got to see, I guess, what you can get for him, but don't, I don't think they should be actively looking to trade him unless somehow that's going to help you get rid of Dang. Um, on the Dang front, though, someone on Bleacher Report, I believe it was Eric Pincus, he had a, um, very interesting article about how the Lakers could almost unload Dang without having to give up anyone else. So there's a stretch provision in the NBA where um, if you have a player under contract and you want to basically get rid of them or release them without um, without them hurting your cap as much as they otherwise would if they have a large contract, you can use the stretch provision on them and Let's say they have two years left on their contract. The stretch provision will do however many years they have left on their contract. So in this instance, two. Multiply it times two and add another year. So it would be over the course of five years and whatever money they were owed over the course of those two years, it would turn into paying them the average amount per year for five years. So if it was $20 million over two years, instead of having to pay them $10 million per year, stretch provision, $20 million over five. So... Four million per year. So in Luol Deng's case, what the Lakers could do this offseason is actually extend his contract three extra years. I know when um, fans hear that, they're going to be, why would the Lakers ever extend Luol Deng? But if they extended him for the veterans minimum for each of those three years after the two years that are still on his contract after this year, and just gave him a, they'd have to make it at least partially guaranteed. Otherwise, it wouldn't make any sense for Luol Deng to sign it. Um, but give him a partially guaranteed contract, so then that gives him five years. And before the contract, let's say he would have had thirty-six million dollars he would have been owed. Let's say after the contract, there's another two million owed to him. Um, but there's five years remaining on his contract. They stretch that; that becomes ten years plus the extra year. So that's thirty-eight million paid out to him over um, eleven years. So that's right around three, three and a half million per year. It sucks that you'd be paying him that for, or it would count against your cap for the next 11 years. So in 2029, Luol Deng would still count three and a half million against the Lakers cap, but it's much better than, I 
personally, I think that's much better than having to trade at least one unprotected draft pick to get rid of him. So that's an alternative way to possibly get rid of him. I mean, I, I mean, definitely stretching him would just be an option. It's just going to be impossible at this point to do anything in regards to training him, which is like they're trying to do with Clarkson and Randall Nance. It's just they've given up hope. But, yeah, let's move on to the next part of our Lakers segment. KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, another guard for the Lakers. He is a free man. Uh, he is officially released from jail. Uh, which is funny. I know we never really talked about this on our podcast, but we've tweeted about it a few times now. Um, he has been on a work release from jail uh, due to a parole violation uh, that I believe happened when he was with the Pistons. But he had an arrangement with the jail that he was in in L.A. to where he could not leave the country to play games with... Uh, oh, sorry, he couldn't, yeah, sorry he, cannot, he, cannot leave, he cannot leave the state. Sorry about that cannot leave the state to play any NBA games. He has to only play games in California. And the only time he can leave jail is on a work release for practices and for games that are in the home state of California. So for the last about month or maybe month and a half, he has literally been in jail and getting released to go to practice, coming back to jail. And when they have a game that happens to be in the state of California, and he's a lucky man that there are a lot of teams in California, uh, <laughs> that he, that was the only teams he can play. So, <clears throat> and if not, of course, <clears throat> um, teams coming in to play them at Staples Center, of course. Uh, but it's funny because every single away game that we have been playing, uh, it says, Contavious Caldwell Pope did not play personal reasons and it is because he's in jail so he is now officially not in jail and he's playing with the team he hasn't had the year that me and you both hope that he would have but he's been a decent contributor and he has started most of the games so i mean it's nice to see that he at least it's nice to see that he has the opportunity to at least travel outside the state now and play with the team so he is now a free man so free kcp yeah i i just pictured during his time in jail and he'd be on work release for practice or a game. I can only imagine like when practice is over, when the game's over, like how much stalling do you think he did? Like having to tie his shoes. Ah, shoot. I didn't tie them there. I got to do it again. Hold on. Hold on. I just, I just imagine them giving him his time out on like the yard that he has (laughs) and he gets to play like pickup basketball with all these inmates. And he's just like balling them up, yeah. crossing them up, just teaching them lessons on, like, this jail basketball court. And then when he gets released, he's like, all right, bye, guys. And he, like, goes to practice and, like, comes back. <laughs> yeah, but you talk about him not having the season that you and I hoped for. I I do not call him Contavious Caldwell-Pope anymore. I call him Contavious Caldwell-Nope. Because he's just going to... Yeah. Especially in crunch time, he just... It infuriates me when he's on the floor, close game, end of the game, because he... Wants the ball and he's going to take the shot regardless of how many people are on him. Just makes stupid mm. decisions. Um, I, I totally agree. I mean, he's been in jail for the last month and a half, so I mean, I don't. It's just a stupid signing from the Lakers, because I'm assuming they already knew this was a problem that yeah. started in Detroit. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it. A, I wouldn't call it a stupid signing though, because he does have. Well, the we same had we agent. had the money, of course. He does have so the same it's not like as LeBron James too. It's just a one-year deal, but it gives them a chance to talk to. No, his I agent agree. It's just like, do you rules. think? Do you think they had? Do you think they knew about this previous signing him? Well, they knew that it was in um, a pending thing that was going on because the league had suspended him for the first two 
two games of the NBA season. Because but do you, do you think they knew that it could lead to this? Obviously, they would probably address with his lawyers before yeah, going they, to sign they, someone. They again. must have because um, yeah, I mean, they're still going through the court, so they must have known that this was a potential issue. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy. But yeah, no, he's free now, so I mean, they've gotten through this weird period. Hopefully now he has more time to practice with the team yeah, and he yeah. improves and has a good second half to the season. Yeah. Um, so moving on past to our next Lakers point and last, uh, LeVar Ball's, uh, his blast on Luke Walton and the Luke Walton beef with him now, of course, it says, uh, says he has lost the team and, uh, the team does not want to play for him anymore. And so that's obviously a big allegation to make towards the coach. Uh, of course, his son, Lonzo, is playing for the Lakers, but, uh, I know when he got taken out of the game in the first quarter yesterday, um, and reporters asked Luke Walton why he removed him in the first quarter. He actually played 35-plus minutes, but he just uh, apparently had cramps in the first quarter. Uh, but he said, no, his dad was talking shit, so I took him out early. Just I, kidding. So I, love, I thought that, I I thought that was that hilarious. Quote. I love that quote. That was so funny. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. He said it, just had a smile on his face, knew that everyone was going to go crazy about it. But, yeah, I mean, LeVar Ball... You know, it says that about Luke Walton, uh, Lakers representatives and inside sources that we were reading. I read multiple articles. Every single one said that his job is under no scrutiny and he his his job security is fine. So they yeah. knew that they knew this was the year that we were going to have. And obviously, we're trying to compete the best we can and with the young talent. But it's not like they expected Luke Walton to drive him into the playoffs this year. So they're going to ride him out at least past this year is what I'm expecting and what. Clearly, the sources are saying LeVar Ball just tries to manifest things and tries to say things to make it happen in real life, and half the time it does. So, uh, But yeah, so I mean, what do you think about this apparent beef? I think Luke Walton kind of just shook it off. Yeah, I, Luke Walton is a really good, fun-natured guy, so he tries to just make light of any situation. LeVar Ball, I mean, Rick Carlisle came to... Luke Walton's defense, um, I think I Steve Kerr did recently. It's not fair to Luke Walton. I mean, he knew, the Lakers knew that LeVar Ball could potentially be a problem, but just some of the stuff he says, I don't know why. I agree with Rick Carl. I don't know why the ESPN is publishing this story. Why are you letting some player's dad make headlines? Um, Luke Walton, I didn't expect that his job security would be in any, any danger, so that's not surprising at all to me. They He was the coach that they wanted. I know it was still part of the old regime when Mitch Kupchak and um, Jim Buss were in charge, but Luke Walton's a very progressive head coach. Everything that we've heard is that his players love playing for him, whether it was at Golden State or with the Lakers, even with the losing that's been going on with the Lakers. Um, it's tough. The Lakers don't have... A very talented roster. Um, if next year the Lakers were to get two max free agents and they were still struggling just to even make the playoffs, then yeah, I could see his job security being um, questioned. But right now, um, it's tough once you start losing. It's the last two years, last year and this year, the Lakers started off pretty well, hovering yeah. around 500, and then they just went on a um, a tough stretch where they played some tough teams, started losing, and then it's kind of just like a snowball effect. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger from there. Yeah, you saw Kyle Kuzma release a tweet saying, you know, we will figure this out. Yeah. Uh, Lonzo Ball said something similar weeks before that. So, I mean, they're definitely committed to the, this whole plan. It's just not, you know, they don't have the, that last P. And everybody knows this is the offseason to be waiting for for a 
Los Angeles Lakers. They've set themselves up with that KCP contract, with you know the cap space that they have, getting rid of Mozgov and unloading D'Angelo Russell. This was all for this offseason. So yeah, this year you can't. And I mean, if, if LeVar Ball wants to talk, like make make your son shoot better than forty percent, and then we'll talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and the difference between Luke Walton and Byron Scott, because people can talk about how. Well, the Lakers' record, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's probably not much better, if it even is better than it was with Byron Scott. Probably around the same. With with Luke Walton, he has much less, he has less veteran players, um, but he's also playing his young players. Byron Scott didn't even want to play D'Angelo Russell that much, the number two overall pick, rookie. You didn't want to give him any experience, even after the Lakers clearly had no chance of making the playoffs. At least Luke Walton, for the most part, other than some questionable times when he's been playing Andrew Bogut um, and Corey Brewer to an extent, but yeah, for, the, for the most part, he's been trying to develop this young core, and that's also why they've been losing. they got a lot of young players that are inexperienced, but they're, they're going to start growing into their own, figuring out um, how to play in this league, so you just got to give them some time. All right. Yeah. I totally agree, and I think uh, I was reading something as well that uh, Luke Walton doesn't care what LeVar Ball says as long as it doesn't affect Lonzo Ball or the team. So, I mean, he's going to keep running his course. He's going to keep coaching the way that he coaches and trusting the fact that this new front office is going to deliver him with more talent, with more pieces to help him out in this coming offseason. But just like he said, as long as it doesn't bother his son and doesn't affect him on the court, that's not going to affect my team. You know, so that's a respectful. Obviously, he's a fun-hearted guy and he's trying to make light of the situation. But at the end of the day, as long as it's not affecting his job, and clearly Lakers sources are saying that his job is not in question, and as long as it's not affecting team morale, he doesn't really care. You know, so I mean, that's kind of the way you got to look at it with Lavar Ball. They do what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, and I mean also. It's also not fair, not fair to Lonzo Ball. He is the most even-keeled person yeah, I mean, he's, in the he's so, NBA. He's, he's, yeah, he's so cool. He's so yeah. calm, cool, and collective, and then his dad's just an asshole. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it, it puts him in an awkward spot with his teammates. Um, you right. right now, his dad's attacking the coach. You never know when he's going to say something about of one course. of his teammates. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Lonzo Ball's handled it the best that he possibly can, too, so you got to... Um, give him kudos as well for that. Um, so yeah, let's, totally. let's move on to the Oklahoma City Thunder, our next topic. Um, yep. They are reportedly fully committed to keeping Paul George past the trade deadline. Do you think that's a smart decision or a dumb decision? Uh, I think it's smart. You don't make the move to bring him in. Uh, to be honest, Oladipo and Sabonis are pieces that mattered and are showing that on a team that needs them they're playing pretty well i'm not saying that i'm not going to go back into talking about this this trade again all i know is that they made that move to get paul george and if he's going to walk he's going to walk they got him for this year to try out this carmelo this paul george and westbrook trio they clearly like it they've been playing a lot better lately too so it's definitely working out and just like russell westbrook said um the pitch is a championship. Like once we win a championship, he's going to come back. So he's confident that they're going to do that. It's just what happens if they don't, you know, he's going to walk to LA is what oh. we're at least we, hoping we, for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's at least what we're hoping for. But I mean, yeah, if you're the OKC Thunder, you ride this out past the trade deadline, you run this into the playoffs cause they're going to make it and you try and go as far as you can. And hopefully 
it makes enough sense for these players to come back and try it again. Uh, if not, you let them walk, to be honest. So I think it's smart. You keep them past the trade deadline because you already worked your ass off to get them there. So. Yeah, I think um, if the Thunder were still struggling to even be into the eight seed and if they were still struggling in February when the trade deadline was approaching, then maybe you explore it. But it seems like over the course of the past few weeks, the Thunder have started to um, get a better feel for how to play together the big three of Carmelo, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. I don't see why you would ever consider trading him when you're the five seed in the NBA, I mean in the Western Conference, and you're rising. You're getting better. Uh, right now the Timberwolves are three games ahead of the Thunder. Uh, and they're, play- they're playing great basketball too, but the teams yeah. that are in front of the are the Spurs, the Rockets, and the Warriors who are going to be in front of them regardless. So, I mean, it's rather going to be Oklahoma City claiming that fourth seed or that fifth seed, and regardless, they're in a good spot. Yeah, and also if you trade Paul George before the trade deadline, then you're also risking losing Carmelo Anthony even a higher chance. I believe he has a player option. Is it after this year or next year? I think... Uh, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. All I know is that the three of them are there because of the three of them. If you take one of them away, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how it falls apart. But yeah. Westbrook's committed there regardless. Yeah, so. Westbrook is, but Carmelo, they could lose him. And I think if they were to trade Paul George, I don't see why Carmelo would stay there. Um and they have Westbrook, they have Stephen Adams, you know, they have pieces there. So to be honest, even if it blows up and they don't, it doesn't work out with Westbrook as the piece of your team and having already some pieces around him, they're going to be just fine. Yeah. So uh, there's yeah. there's no chance that they trade Paul George. So that's not surprising that they're fully committed. So let's move on to a another team that's committed to a player that could leave in free agency, the Pelicans have their, quote, untouch, untouchable centers. Was that you who decided on that quote or someone No, else? that was uh, Woj in his article that I was reading. It said the untouchables, and then it had uh, DeMarcus Cousins, and then it had Marcus All, and then it, they were both listed as centers. Uh, right there it said, center, center. So I said, it said the untouchables. So I said the untouchable centers just for us on Twitter, but it was in regards to DeMarcus Cousins and Marcus All. Okay, so then let's talk about um, let's talk about the Pelicans first, and then we'll dive into the Grizzlies. So the Pelicans wanting to keep DeMarcus Cousins. Um, again, that's not a big surprise. The Pelicans right now are the eighth seed in the Western Conference. The last time they made the playoffs, I believe, was it 2015? I know they played the Warriors one versus eight and were swept. But now they've got DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis they pose a problem for the Warriors. I don't think they seriously. They, they, just, they just all they need is just a, one or two more pieces to like help them out. I don't know how it's not working for them the way that they'd hoped because those two centers, see those two big man down low, it's like the twin towers. It's crazy. Yeah, and I don't think for one second that they would beat the Warriors in a seven game series, but the Warriors are a much smaller team than the Pelicans, at least where their stars come from. And the Warriors' best defender, Draymond Green, he's four or five inches smaller than Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. So Yeah, they're probably, um, they're probably the longest team besides the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't make any sense for them to trade DeMarcus Cousins, I don't think. You want to get into the playoffs where you haven't been for a while, try to make him see that, look, this is a place that we can keep building and uh, just go from there. Right, I mean, they have, uh, you know, a decent city that they play for, and it's a cool destination spot. It's not 
the random middle of nowhere there are in New Orleans, you know, so it's, they can drive people there if they really want to. Having the two of them there is going to bring people for every offseason to come if they can keep them those those two of them together. But if they lose, I don't know, if they lose to Marcus Cousins, that's right back to how it was with Anthony Davis and them just being in this abyss, you know? Yeah, if they lose Cousins, then... They have to yeah, I don't see. I don't really see too much of a future if they lose Cousins. They're yeah. gonna have to figure it out quickly and pick another plan. But if they keep the two of them and can figure that out and just move a couple pieces and bring some other pieces in, I really like Rondo on that team. I like how he distributes. Uh, he's not scoring much because he doesn't have to. He put up twenty five assists or something the other the other week. So I mean, I really I like the Pelicans. I think they're exciting to watch, and that's literally just because of those two players. Yeah. But the uh, the other, quote, untouchable center is Marcus Gasol. Uh, I know he has a lot of drama behind the scenes with the uh, Grizzlies, but it was mainly with their coach that they were uh, that they fired prematurely this year. Uh, David Fisdale, Marcus Gasol was a professional about it and quoted uh, when he was asked if he would waive his trade, uh, waive, or sorry, player clause to go. Uh, the no trade clause. He said, "Whatever helps, you know, the Grizzlies. If they find a better place or better situation for me, that's or for the team, let's do that. If not, I'm here, you know. So he's a professional about it. But they've been quoted that they plan on keeping him, even though uh, a lot of teams say that they are trying to kind of gauge how the Grizzlies are going to go about this and just wait on them and hopefully gauge if their interest to let them go. There's going to be a lot of teams interested, but they, as of right now, they are saying they plan on keeping in past the trade deadline. Yeah. And that doesn't make much sense to me. The Grizzlies need to start rebuilding. Um, Blow it up. Yeah. And they need to mark us all. What is he? He's probably 30, 31 years old. So you try trading another year older, try to get as much as you can for him right now. Mike Conley, there's some way that you can trade him. I think you gotta explore that. He had that five-year, hundred fifty-three million dollar contract. I was it last year. I think it was last off-season. So um, there's just no way that you can win with Mike Conley as your first option, or I don't even think it's your second option. He's got to be your third option on a serious contender. Um, so see if you can get something for him. See if a team wants to take on that contract, and then just completely rebuild. Try to. Um, get some good players through the draft. Memphis isn't really a free agent destination, so yeah, they're going to have to look to build through the draft. Um, I know we right. also want to talk know, about... With, with what you saying about Conley, too, I like him as a player, honestly. And I know we talked about him in a previous podcast about how someone on our Twitter was talking to us about how they thought he was this crazy good player, better than Chris Paul, top three, but we were saying how you know he might be a top ten, you know? And yeah. I, I like him as a number. I like him as a two option. Uh, but I like him as like imagine if they put like a number one option on the Grizzlies, and then him and Marcus Saul were kind of tied for the two option. That's a situation I like. If they brought in a serious max player to you know, the Grizzlies and kept it like this, I believe they could figure it out. But they're never going to be better than like a five seed, you know? Or yeah. A four well, seed. they can't. It's just how do you get? that max type player without just completely rebuilding because you're not going to get anyone in free agency in memphis too so it's not the Um, biggest destination spot yeah so that's the that's the tricky thing for them but with the speaking of the grizzlies we also wanted to talk about tyreek evans um and if the grizzlies should explore trading him what they could get for him so we both agree that they should 
look to trade him. They should be. Yeah, I mean, something that, uh, just real quick about Tyreek Evans, I know uh, Woj said that the Grizzlies were looking for a first-round pick for him. I know I put up his stats just on our Twitter. We actually got a lot of volume on this tweet, uh, a lot of interaction on it as well. So uh, Tyreek Evans, he's having he's having an amazing year this year. He's averaging 19.7 points per game. 5.1 rebounds and 4.7 assists and you know his 19.7 points per game is the most points per game since his rookie season back in 2009 where he averaged 20.1 so right around the same as right now and that was in 2009 so almost a decade ago and he had the worst year of his career last year and now he signed a one-year contract with the Grizzlies to you know prove himself and he honestly was doing that to take a chance on himself there was a quote that i read when he did do that he signed for low money to show that he can still play and he's having this tremendous year so now obviously this is the only diamond in the rough that the Grizzlies have really came up on because of how awful they've been in the draft and they've swung and missed on a ton of players and a ton of opportunities to move up or move back and i was reading an article the other day about how that's one of the most frustrating things for the grizzlies is that you know, with the draft, they really haven't been able to pr- produce much. I think it was Wade Baldwin. I think it was two years ago. It was their best chance, and they released him immediately. And I think that drove someone that was in their front office to get fired. And there was a lot of, you know, uh, snowball effect from that. So pretty much just uh, actually with that one, let's just read just kind of the tweets from our follower. I know his name's Magic Mike W. When we brought up. Um, him getting traded, he was kind of just like, it was about the report that they wanted a first-round pick. He was like, I'm not tossing out, you know, I wouldn't pull him for a first-round pick, though. And I was, you know, I agree, personally, and I believe you do as well. Uh, and I know, and someone else was quoting a bunch of um, NBA reporters, like, your thoughts on this? Is any, do you have any thoughts on his value? Um, and another thing that magic mike w said was you know if they pick the right guy it could make a difference in this if they received a second rounder but they're just in a rough spot so do they start rebuilding or try to win now i would send gasol i'll try and get someone like julius randall to free cap space and try and get a solid guard to support conley and i just what are your thoughts Keith, on there just because i i responded just kind of they need to rebuild they're you know last in tied for last in the West, but they don't really have an identity. They don't have David Fisdale as their coach anymore, so they don't really have someone that everyone can buy into. They're in a small market, and just like I know you're not a fan of Conley, and I know Gasol's not a fan of Memphis, so just he was asking if they should rebuild or you know win now, and I really don't understand since they are last in the West. You know? Yeah, well, um, it's not that I'm not a fan of Mike Conley. It's just He's a great defender, um, and he's arguably maybe top 10, maybe the 10th best point guard in the NBA. It's just from an offensive standpoint, being able to carry the load, I don't think that he could be the second best option on a contender. But um, are you asking me, like, what my thoughts are as far as trading the song? I mean, he was bringing up up Julius, like bringing someone like Julius Randle in, some, some sort of trades to you know, release Tyreek Evans, even, you know, Gasol, he was saying, but just to bring more support for Conley and at the same time releasing, you know, players to bring in draft stock, just like Tyreek Evans and stuff. Because he was saying, if you, because I was saying you can't really expect more than a second round pick for Tyreek Evans. I don't know what your opinion is on it, and I would probably,
probably assume it'd be similar, but a first-round pick for Tyreek Evans, who's in his ninth or tenth year in the league and is finally having some sort of comeback season, that's too much to give up for a team when Tyreek Evans isn't the most certain player. But every team in the NBA should and would give up a second-round pick for Tyreek Evans playing the way he's playing right now. Do yeah, you agree I, think, with that? I think they could get a high second-round pick, like in the 35, maybe like 32, 33 range. I think right, and that's, I, what, that's what Mike was saying. If they pick the right guy, it could make a difference. You know, it could be enough for the Grizzly just because they're looking to oh, yeah, bring I more think, youth in there. I think so. you absolutely try to unload him. With Tyreek Evans, the concerns that I would have if I was an... If I was a contending team making a trade for him, is just obviously his injury history. That's part of why he has had trouble with recapturing the magic he had his rookie year. Um, and then also the fact that he's just on a one-year deal. So, yes, he can help you as long as he's healthy, make a playoff push. But then after this year, you're going to be having to try to re-sign him. The Julius Randle front, I don't really like that from the Grizzlies standpoint, regardless of really what they have to give up for him because Randall's going to be a free agent after this year. You're going to have to pay him. Um, there's going to be a team that's going to make a big offer for him. So whether you match that or else you just completely lose him. But if you want him on your team long term, you're going to be paying him, I think, more money than you really should be when you're trying to completely rebuild. Um, right, and with how money is nowadays in the NBA offseason, they're throwing money around left and right. So players that don't even deserve some of these crazy contracts. Tim Hardaway Jr. got one of the most absurd contracts I've ever seen in my life last yeah. offseason. So. Well, uh, I mean, I guess we haven't seen the Joakim Noah, Timothy oh, Mosgrave. Noah well, as well, well yeah, on the same team. Well um, yeah, so I mean that's just money getting tossed around left and right. A player like Randall who do who does have a lot of promise. He just needs to open up a long range shot, but his game is solid and any team that can put him in the right position could be getting a very good piece to their team and they're gonna pay a ton of money for him. Yeah. Yeah, so I think um a high second round pick is reasonable to expect for Tyreek Evans, who they should definitely right. be unloading. So let's move on from the Grizzlies. Um just a Quick note about D'Angelo Russell. He's been out for probably at least a month and a half. Yeah. Um, with a knee injury, he is back practicing with the Nets G League team, so that's good to see he's progressing. I know he had minor knee problems on the Lakers, so hopefully that doesn't turn into anything serious. Um, but, yeah, just good to see him back and practicing. Also, yeah. the Bucks. They signed Sean Kilpatrick to a fully guaranteed NBA contract. He was playing with them on a two-week contract, and I know you and I talked about this before we started the podcast. I, we're pretty sure he is the first two-way player to get a fully guaranteed contract. Um, if not, probably one of the first few, but it's just really cool to see um, just another way for teams to be able to um, build and try to find someone that can help the team. Uh, Two-way contracts, this is the first year for them, and it's just, yeah, it's good to see teams utilizing that and actually finding contributors. Yeah, and utilizing stuff just like the 10-day contract and this two-way contract, it's very nice to see teams getting smart in regards to trying players out, not taking as much of a risk on players that don't have you know, the rapport and other players that are trying to make NBA comebacks. Something we weren't going to mention in this, uh, in this podcast, I really wasn't, just because it's a release. Uh, Damian Wilkins uh, hasn't played in the NBA since like 2013. Uh, he just got released by the Pacers, and they signed him to a two-way contract. 
And that was a cool comeback story. But of course, you know, now it's ended now. He hasn't had the best year. And But he did start one game that was the game before they released him. And he put up 11 points. So he played okay. But I mean, this is just, they signed him to a two-way contract. Clearly his games are up. And they've now parted ways with him. So it's just a way for them to give a player that is trying to make a comeback or even just prove themselves a chance without blowing the books on them or diving too deep. Yeah, yeah, that it was a really nice story. I remember when he made the final rosters. Right. Really surprising, but yeah, good to hear. Um, one more note, um, just with Gerald Green, we mentioned him a little bit earlier with the Rockets. Um, yeah. They fully guaranteed his contract. He has been playing incredibly well for the Rockets. I didn't realize he was averaging so many Yeah, them, until I told you. 17.3. Right? Yeah, I know. They, they, they released Bobby Brown, so it's not a very intricate you know, piece to their team. They released him with promises that they'd revisit re-signing him later on in the year, but they didn't expect Gerald Green to play this kind of game. So, like, he's played seven games for the Rockets so far, put up 17.3 points per game and three rebounds off the bench. Yeah, yeah, he has been um, great for them. Also, with James Harden going down, I'm sure... That helps his scoring output, but um, he's been a really good contributor for them. So, And everyone forgets that he's one of the best dunkers in the league as well, so it's really cool to see him back out there shooting threes and high-flying for the Rockets. He is a Houston native. He's born and raised in Houston and is a very big part of that city. Takes it personally, and he is... I, I, read a quote on him that he's never been happier in his life than to be playing for his hometown Rockets and to have a chance again in the NBA. So, I mean, I'm very happy to see him back and playing at a high level. Yeah, you speak about him as a dunker. He's had a few dunks in his career where he's had literally his entire head above the rim. Yeah, hopefully I see. Hopefully we see him in the dunk contest maybe one more time before he ends his career. But I think he might have a couple of years with the Rockets right now. I think he might have found a niche. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so let's move on to um, just another quick note with the NBA. They find Draymond Green twenty five thousand for criticizing the officials. I believe it was on Saturday night. Um, I do you remember what his exact? Yeah, I remember. Were? I remember the quotes that when it comes to officials and players, it, it's often personal. So, uh, and I know he was ranting about something post game that I didn't read too much on, but whatever he did say, it cost twenty five thousand. And I know that he's one of the. One of the chippiest players in the league is probably a good word for him, and I'm sure that he's not, you know, a big fan of the referees and vice versa. Yeah, I believe, I remember he said something about um, it being personal and then also about the referees ruining the game, so that's probably, the ruining the game one, I think, is the thing that got him the $25,000 fine. So funny. So, all right. So back to you know Levar Ball. Of course, there's a lot of talk about him always, everywhere. If he's not in the United States, he's in Lithuania. He's everywhere now. He's getting way too much attention. Uh, but he is doing something right because at this point, he's got a ton of exposure. Big baller brands doing better than ever. Uh, both of his sons, just like we were saying, uh, today is their first game. Uh, something that we didn't bring up. I believe they're playing. Is uh, it's a younger team, but Lithuania. It's a B B level team. It consists of high school players and college players mainly, uh, but it's as competitive, and they probably will see some playing time. Uh, but that was just a quick mention. I know that's tonight, so let's by the next podcast we'll be talking about it. Hopefully, they get a little bit of playing time and it works out. 
Um, they'll probably win the game tonight since they're playing a little bit lower competition. Uh, but one thing we have on our list here is just big baller brand challenge games. So this is something that LeVar Ball uh, made an agreement with this with their Lithuanian team. Uh, I think so. After me and you were both reading on, we we're still waiting on exact clarification since it's not started yet. But we believe they were in two separate leagues: the Lithuanian league yeah. and the Baltic league. Correct? Yeah. And so. we believe they've dropped out of the Baltic league, which would be the less competitive league than the Lithuanian league and they have replaced that in a sense with the big baller brand challenge which will be about five or six Facebook live streamed games with teams in Europe um, that will be quote friendly games so just like how soccer teams play friendlies uh, it's going to be the same kind of idea and it's not going to affect the their team's regular season record uh, in the Lithuanian league, but it will be their chance to get the two ball brothers some more playing time on the court and exposure for the team as well. And it's going to be live streamed on Facebook, and I believe there's going to be some other ways to live stream it as well. And it's called literally the Big Baller Brand Challenge Game. So there's a league now officially internationally with you know, BBB on it, and he's splitting his time between LA and Lithuania right now since the boys are just getting started and he's got a lot of plans out there. But he said it's going to be a good thing for everybody. Um, They get more playing time, they get more exposure. Um, I believe uh, it's going to help out the other European teams as well. So, I mean, whatever they came to an agreement with, just the fact that LeVar Ball has literally convinced this team to drop out of a league and make his own league with his brand strictly to benefit his sons and getting it live streamed and getting them more attention. So whatever he says kind of goes at this point. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to see this kind of, uh, you know, this kind of power and influence from a father. You know, he's just, of course, he, it's the Lakers. He's talking shit to the coach and people care and they're publishing his stories on ESPN and then he just takes a flight to Lithuania and just talks this team out of playing in a, a league they've been probably playing in forever and start this big baller league. You know yeah, I mean? it's definitely unprecedented. I can't think of any other father or mother um, who's done anything like this before. Um <laughs> It's definitely creating a lot of publicity for himself. Um, it's, had, it's genius. Yeah, I mean, some people. I think he's annoying, and I hate that we have to. Well, yes, him, exactly. Love, love it or hate it, it's genius. We're yeah. talking about it. Yeah, exactly. That's the point that uh, I was going to make, and yeah, I mean, it's no matter if you like him or not, you're going to hear about him. So exactly, uh, and I know. Um, so we'll move on to our last. It's our ending debate, and of course, it has to do with Mr. Lavar Ball as well. Uh, the big ball. We did a poll on this as well, and uh, I don't have the numbers actually in front of me because we did it sort of a while ago uh, when it first got dropped. This information, and the majority of our followers said that they liked the idea, which was the same as me. I like the idea as well. I believe you do too, uh, if it's done correctly. Uh, but it's the big baller league, the actual one that he was trying to make here in America. 
uh, is a third option to players going to college to play basketball or players going overseas to play basketball fresh out of high school. So he's talking about players fresh out of high school or even players that um, are going to reclassify or you know get homeschooled like what his son did, whatever the situation may be. You are getting set up with an opportunity to get paid to play and get exposure in a league that he plans on making like a serious league. So scouts actually come to and you know has sponsors and actually has you know media driven content and everything like that so uh, i don't doubt this from him at all seeing what he's done with the big baller brand just feeding off his son making his own brand his own name for himself uh and now what he's doing in lithuania and somehow twisted a story about his son Somehow his son was shoplifting and his other son got pulled out of high school and now they're stars of like another country and now like everyone just kind of forgot about it, you know? So he's he's definitely a very smart businessman and he's got a plan and no matter even if it veers left or right or veers to Lithuania, he's going to make it happen his way. So I know it's maybe on pause, but I think this is a league that's going to kind of happen very soon because I'm assuming that the two ball brothers are going to play in it. Yeah, that's what I would think. Um, That's what I'm thinking as well. But uh, do you think it's a good idea? It's pretty much just, you know, you graduate high school. uh, You don't get the look set that you wanted from colleges. You don't want to go abandon your life and go out to Spain to go play or Australia or any place that, you know, offers overseas basketball, China. Um, You know, you stay in state and you go play with other players kind of in your situation, maybe players that didn't work out for them in college and they're looking to bounce back. Do you like the idea of having a third option? Yeah, I think. Well, I think that this league's more tailored for not the players that didn't get looks for college. It's the ones that are highly recruited for colleges, but they want to make some money. And I think this is a really good idea as long as it can be handled well. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue for Levar Ball is how do you handle with regulate um, it yeah and how do you how do you get players to commit when there aren't any teams you're going to need quite a few players to commit all at once so how do you get one player to commit and then another or is it one player says yeah I'll go as long as you can get a certain amount of players in the league um, but yeah I mean it's he said I think that, he for, said for me players, I, I, th- I think it's going to be at first it's going to be a little bit less competition and then as maybe a year or two passes, there's going to be more high-profile players that are looking to do that as a serious option. I think maybe for the first year, just to get players to play and get the bodies that are needed, they're going to have to go with you know players that maybe didn't get the looks that they were looking at out of college or out of high school, maybe college dropouts or people that you know walked on with a team and didn't work out, anything like that. Just kind of a second chance league I think at first in my opinion because I, I just like you said I don't think they're going to go the college coach approach and go into you know families living rooms and talk them into making their son do this just like it, you know a college coach does so I don't just I don't know how they're going to convince player after player after player to well, bring No I think at first though I don't think that this league will work unless they have at least a few well-known high school players going into who would be going into college right from the start. I think you need a few marquee players, um, so they're going to have to do a sell job and basically um, get players to commit to their league over college or overseas. But eventually, after a year or two of that, as long as you're successful, then the league sells itself. You don't have to keep doing right. that. But 
you need to convince at least a few marquee players at first to join the league and take the risk with just ima- imagine it just not working out though like imagine a year of a player doing that it not working out and then looking to revisit things and having a complete year out of high school and not getting recruited the same you know imagine how that can ruin someone's path you know yeah yeah that's why if you're just taking a chance on lavar ball who isn't the most he's a great businessman but at the end of the day he is out there you know he's not a safe choice to go with and he's just trying you know come to come play for me bro i'll pay you 10 grand like i got you dude and it's almost like okay well you know your mothers and fathers in this situation sitting down with their sons and being like is this you know a career choice is this you know should you go to school should you go to this it's almost it brings in a whole other conversation of how safe is this option and is are they for sure going to get paid where is the money going to come from what lavar ball's pockets you know sponsorships it's going to have to go a lot deeper into this and make it it's going to have to be precision if they're going to make it run correctly but the idea i think it's a fantastic idea yeah yeah and i think he's I couldn't see how he'd be able to do this out of his own pockets. He's going to need, no need to get sponsorships. But as long as he can get marquee players coming out of high school, I don't think that's going to be a huge issue. Um, and I think that this could be very successful. I think um, that, yeah, go with some sponsorships. And it's a really good alternative for... You hear players, even players that end up going to college, there are some that kind of weigh their options. Should I go overseas and make some money? Well, for here... You don't have to go overseas. You can stay in the U.S. Right. potentially if you live near one of the teams where, or one of the cities where a team would be, and stay with your family. Um, so it's, I think it can definitely work its way to become a much more attractive option than playing overseas. Right, especially players that don't get the scholarships they're looking for, but want to go take a chance on themselves and walk onto a school and go play, they have to go pay for a full education. You know, it's a lot of money to just get, and imagine if they're not going there for the education. They're going there just to advance, you know, basketball and as well, you know, stay in school, but, you know, advance basketball. It's the reason why they're going. They're paying a lot of money to go play ball. Yeah, well, and, you know, a lot of, and that's what drives a lot of kids to leave the state and not have to go do that. Or, sorry, leave the country, and then all of a sudden you're in China and you're flooded out. You know, you're playing there and you're not getting the exposure that you're looking for. But at least you're still playing ball. So I think this would be a good option. Like, it's not like the two ends of the spectrum anymore. There's kind of been this unorthodox thing, and LeVar Ball is unorthodox. That's what he is. So I think of all people, he could work this out. If he gets a sponsorship from, sorry, a partnership, I would more say with, like, I don't know, Gatorade or some crazy, you know, prominent brand and be like Big Baller League X, you know, this company, and at that point give it more name recognition, more money, you know, and benefit them and this would be a whole nother league i don't know i think in my mind i'm thinking this could become something cool he's just not going to be able to do it by himself with big baller brand yeah i think with like the walk-ons and stuff that's walk-ons that go play at a college almost always they're not trying to get to the nba because they know if they can't even make a college team on a scholarship what's the chance they're going to get to the nba this league is really tailored for um, the marquee high school players that yeah. want to make some money while still staying home, and that's why I think it can definitely be successful. Um, yeah, it's just getting it's just getting, it, getting it started and yeah. you know regulating yeah, it correctly. The, that's the most challenging part for sure. 
Right, but you know, I think we're both in agreement. It could be a good thing, but eh, it's going to be a tough start. And Lavar ball is crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's probably in Lithuania for his son's debuts. I don't know if they're really going to play tonight. Um, look at our Twitter uh, tonight or tomorrow. You'll be getting updates from us, of course, uh, with any stat line, if there is any, if not a story or maybe how upset LeVar Ball is with the coach and how he's already getting him <laughs> fired because they didn't start his son's. Who knows nowadays, but at this point, uh, if you don't know, you can always check our Twitter and we'll have some sort of update, something funny, something informative for you. So take us a, a look on there. I'm so happy we were able to have such a large Twitter segment for this podcast because we put so much work into that Twitter page. And we're always looking to update it any way we can for you guys and upgrade it. So if there's any ideas that you guys have, any, you know, our Twitter polls have been new or recent. We've been getting a lot more interactions with you guys. So we really would love to hear from you. Direct message us, mention us, whatever you want to do to reach out. I know Magic Mike uh, W, you got a shout out from us today. We had a lot of conversation with you via Twitter. So if you ever want to get a shout out, you ever want to bring your conversation on air, hit us on Twitter. And if it's a stimulating conversation, you will be, you'll hear your name on our podcast. So I think that's pretty cool. And I really enjoy interacting with you guys. I know Corbin does too. Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Even though I don't get on Twitter enough. I, when I am on, I love interacting. Love having sports conversations with anyone. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun. So, yeah, with that, um, thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. A lot of different topics to talk about today, but we had fun. We hope you guys enjoyed listening. Again, yeah, can, for our first podcast of 2018, Happy yeah, New Year, everybody. Year we tweeted that out, so but we weren't, we haven't uh, recorded one this year yet. So we just wanted to wish you guys Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. You know, Happy New Year. We we love you guys and we appreciate your support. And we're going to continue shooting these out. 2018 is going to be our year, and uh, we appreciate everyone that's riding with us and all the new followers that we've been getting. Uh, anyone that always reposts our stuff, you guys are family. So uh, if you guys are new, welcome to the NBA and Rob family. Corbin and I take this very personally and uh, very seriously. So check out our Twitter. Check out our podcast. This is, I believe, episode 13, right? Yes, episode 13. So yeah, check out the previous 12. Check out this one. We're going to be shooting it all over Twitter. But thank you guys so much for tuning in with us on this beautiful Tuesday and listening to all the crazy stuff going on around the league right now. Yeah, so again, you guys can hear our podcast on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud. Our Twitter handle is at NBA Unwrapped. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMRPK. Perry's Twitter handle is at Perry Aston. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm your host, Corbin Weinerman, and my co-host, Perry Aston. Perry, any last words? Yeah, guys, you have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, hit us up on Twitter, check us out, and hopefully uh, we hear from you guys next time with some more mentions. Yes, thank you guys all for listening. Take care, and we hope you listen next time. Bye. Bye, guys.